Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Happy Friday, everyone. As a heads up, we got a short show because the spring training opener is coming your way at noon. The Mariners are going to be playing. We're streaming that game, obviously, live. 7, 10 a.m. Seattle Sports. Tune in for that one. Uh, I believe, Curtis, it's radio only, right? Correct. Yeah. So you guys make sure you are tuned in again. That starts at noon. This Um, game doesn't happen unless we say so. Yeah, exactly. So if I want to postpone my heart out and not go to the game, guess what? then that's what's going to happen. So everyone do what I say I, today, I, or there will be I no think, Mariners game. I think people will want us to get out of the way at noon. Okay, okay, fine. That's, that's just fine. me. That's fine. I don't know. Uh, Bump, uh, first of all, before I get to our huge story for today, um, which is making the rounds nationally, how was your drive in? I hear you you got a new car. Oh, for real? <laughs> 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 I did not get a new car. My mom has been out of town for like three weeks or something like that. I really threw you under And the it's been cold. So, you know, you don't want to let your car sit of too course. long when it's cold. Of course. So she You're asked me to great, drive great her son. car so, um, you know, doesn't get all jacked up. And she drives the girliest car in the world. It's that Lexus. I call it the Lexus bubble because it just looks like. Like a, round like and curvy. Round, yes, that little SUV, kind of, but not Is there really. like a bedazzled keychain? and No, like... so there was a bedazzled license plate, but I told her, you know, like the, the frame of it. But I, I told took her, it off. Just no, I to told drive. her, I go, Mom, if you want me to drive that car while you're gone, you got to take that <laughs> off. I cannot. And then she has the leopard strap that covers the seatbelt, you know, so does it. Oh, I love oh, you man. driving this car. I took that off, too, though. Oh, my I God. No, I think you should have left the bedazzled license plate. You should have left the leopard strap, uh, like seatbelt cover. I just, I love imagining you driving this car and just being so angry the whole time. It's, Just I mean, live like, it. I hope no one notices me. <laughs> yeah. It's luxury. I'll tell you that. It, it feels the, good. How's the window tinting in that? Yeah. No tint in the front. No tint? Oh, no so tint. people just look at you and they say, there's former Coog Michael Bumpus. Nah, they say, who that... Who's that dude driving that girly car, man? I got my hoodie on. I'm just like, let's all for mama. Love well, you, mama. Oh, that's it's kind though. You're being a great son. Um, let's get to uh, our big story today. Now, here I was coming into work thinking like, oh, we're gonna talk about Bobby Wagner. Would you want him here in Seattle? And we will get to that conversation. Then I wondered like, oh, are we gonna talk about the Mariners? Wow, spring training opener today. How exciting! And then we got hit with a huge news story from The Athletic about who else? Russell Wilson. Uh, The new allegations paint a new picture of Russell Wilson's time, both in Denver and Seattle. The entire point of the article, uh, this is by Mike Sando and Jason Jenks in The Athletic, is to talk about kind of what went wrong in Denver. But a new allegation made in it is that Russell Wilson asked the Seahawks ownership to fire Pete Carroll and John Schneider. There are other reports in this and other little nuggets in this I'm going to get to, but that's... That's the big one everyone's talking about. And I also should mention as part of this uh, that the article makes note that a lawyer for Russell Wilson said that that wasn't true. And Russell Wilson this morning tweeted, I love Pete and he was a father figure to me. And John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. So, again, Russell Wilson denying those allegations, tweeting out his support for Pete and John this morning. But that's the new article. Before I dive into some of it, do you want me to go through some of the allegations or do you want to react to that first? Go ahead, go through them. Okay. Things. So here are other things from the report. Feel free to chime in. 
<laughs> whenever you want. Uh, okay, first, um, remember back in week two against Houston when um, Broncos fans, after shaming Seattle fans for booing Russell Wilson, were booing Russell Wilson because mm-hmm. they couldn't get uh, the ball off in time and had like two delay of game penalties? Apparently, the Broncos' struggles with the clock were because Russ would sometimes struggle to repeat calls or offer too much instruction to teammates in the huddle. Then they heard from another source that the coaches asked Wilson to overcommunicate to make sure everyone was aligned. Either way, that was a hot mess uh, going on. Um, several Broncos veterans didn't mind Wilson having his own office, but it did create an unusual team dynamic once Wilson started to struggle. Plus, the fact that it was on the second floor where coaches and executives worked was kind of weird because if you're a player, that's normally where you're going to get released. Yeah. All right, let me respond to those okay. two. One, Russell having trouble getting uh, the verbiage out in the huddle. It's not surprising to me, especially if you're combining. I w- I'm assuming they combined some Seahawks stuff and some some Hackett stuff, and then he's trying oh, to make I'll sure to guys are aligned. I see that. And I've never heard of a quarterback having an office, especially on that second level. So what, after practice, Russell... Does he go to the locker room or does he go straight to his office? That's kind of weird to me. Well, exactly. And um, I don't have this as a like little nugget that I included here, but they did say later in the article that uh, Russell Wilson agreed like several weeks before we heard about it to not have his own staff in the building uh, and to not have the office and then was in the locker room way more. Okay. So right. just as a heads up, that changed before we heard about it. But uh, also in here, uh, Wilson had a ton of say and influence over the offense, but Hackett also allowed it. So it was this twofold problem where you have a new head coach that's like, how great, Russell Wilson's here. And then you have a quarterback that's like, how great, I get total say. And it just was a hot mess express. Uh, The offense was a mixture of what Wilson ran in Seattle Mm -hmm. and what Hackett ran in Green Bay. Melvin Gordon said it was a bit much. No identity. No identity. That's exactly what another offensive player said. He was speaking anonymously. He said every week it felt like, okay, who are we going to be this week? Yeah, and that's tough. Like you need to, as an offense, you need to have 20 to 25 plays, maybe even less sometimes, that this is who we are. This yep. is what we like to do. And it sounds like Russ had his 12 and Hackett had his 12. Russ had his language, Hackett had his language, and you're trying to combine. Um, so if you don't have an identity, you don't have a foundation, and every week you're trying to change yep. who you are, then it's hard to set plays up, and it's – um. It gets confusing, for sure. I know that locally, um, because people have whatever feelings they have for Jake, uh, they wanted to make it seem like he was a bigger issue. Now, Jake being in the building along with two other staff members on Russell Wilson's staff was like an issue, but not nearly as big an issue as was the two different offenses they were trying to jam together. Uh, One player said of Jake, he wasn't a distraction, but it was weird he was in the middle. A coach said it just created a conflict of influence. What they should have done with Jake is just put him on staff. Yeah. Like, don't have him be, okay, you're Russell Wilson's staff. If he's going to be there, put him on staff and use him and make him a part of conversations and and then coaching up and stuff. I could imagine it's kind of awkward to have a guy standing there who isn't in the team meetings, who isn't game planning with you guys. That's on them. They should have put Jake on staff. It's either or. Either don't let him in the building to be a voice that you don't have control over or have him, you're right, on staff. Um, Okay, this one I thought was really interesting. Two days before Christmas, which I would like to stress Hackett was still employed as head coach, Sean Payton got a text from Latavius Murray. He coached Latavius Murray in New Orleans, and Murray said, hey, my backfield teammate and I hope you come to Denver. Payton thought that Latavius was talking about another running back, because if you say my backfield teammate, you're Mm -hmm. like, well, what are these running backs, Mm -hmm. like huge Sean Payton fans? What's going on? So he asked to clarify, and Latavius Murray said, number three, meaning at the time, Russell Wilson 
was talking about Sean Payton in Denver when Nathaniel Hackett was still there, although the writing was on the wall for Hackett long before. That ended up being his last game, and it was a blowout loss to the Rams. Yeah, we all, the whole country felt like Everyone this was knew. going to happen. So I can't, I can't really blame him for trying to get ahead and planning for the future. It's unfortunate that it gets leaked. Let's be real. Everyone has conversations um, that you probably shouldn't, that you wouldn't have with everybody that you're trying to set something up for the next year or the next month or something like that, especially when you're talking about business and, and making moves. And it got leaked. And especially in, nowadays, you got to be extremely tight with who you share information with because we see that stuff gets out. I know. Um, okay, so I wanted to kind of step back and talk about this entire thing because, Bump, there are so many avenues with which to take this. Uh, the first is just kind of like, how you run a successful organization and what goes wrong when things don't work out. Things did not work out with with the Broncos. And it sounds like what is very clear from this article is that Russell Wilson was going in thinking like, I've got say. I've got more power than I've ever had and I really believe in myself. And there was a head coach that didn't have the experience I don't want to say backbone, like I don't know him as a person, but the wherewithal to be like, actually, I'm the head coach. Yeah. It was it was kind of like acquiescing and being like, okay, sure. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. That's I feel like that's what Denver promised to Russell. And that's what Russell was looking for. There's a reason why he had that no trade clause. There's a reason why he chose Denver because you go out, you shop. You have these meetings with these GMs and everyone else that's involved, and you're looking for the perfect situation for you. We know that Russell leaving here, he wanted to be more in control of mm-hmm. the offense and personnel and the scheme and all that, and he wanted power. So that's uh, that's on Denver. Denver yeah. created this situation. Yeah. Um, I also want to say, outside of just talking about what happened in Denver, that there's something else that always like grinds my gears about this kind of topic, and it's this from the two five three. Jake promoted firing Pete and John on the show, and it drove me crazy. Definitely coming from Russ in his camp. I worked with Jake every day, and not once did he or I say this team should fire Pete and John. Now Russell Wilson saying he didn't say that. The article says he did. Could I believe that Russell Wilson kind of like pushed for that? A thousand percent. Russell Wilson was 10 years in. There was clearly philosophical disagreements between Russ and Pete. Like that was very, very obvious. But I don't like making a hero and a villain in an industry where everyone is kind of out for himself. Like Russell Wilson is not especially likable. He seems narcissistic, Um, but he's also talented and was very talented here in Seattle. Russell Wilson did not do a good job of pointing the finger at himself and saying, where am I the problem? But that doesn't mean that just because you don't like him, the things he pointed to, like, hey, the offensive line is struggling or, hey, we haven't been able to get back to a Super Bowl. Why is that? We're wrong. And it also doesn't mean I mean, you want to do the flip side. John and Pete, for however many years, had Russell Wilson kind of limited. And people were always like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're insane. It ended up that they weren't wrong, that they were right and that he had his own limitations, right? Like, it, I just feel like sometimes whatever the narrative is of what we're talking about in this case, that Russell Wilson is this horrible, evil villain, makes everything that they stood for, pointed out, um, highlighted, uh, somehow not true. And that's not the case. And I just think sometimes we make people flat, if that makes sense, instead of recognizing that things are a lot more complicated. Yeah, I agree 100% with Everything that you said, but I want to I want to shift this conversation a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
we're here talking about Russell Wilson because it got leaked that he wanted Pete and John fired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I kind of want to focus on that because I'm looking at these text lines and people are, oh, get over Russell. It's been a year, blase, blase. I understand that we're we're setting this up for you, okay? This is why we're talking about Russell because everything that's happened. It's number one story yeah. in sports right now. It's number one story in sports. That and then we got another one coming up that's hot as well. Yeah, I can't wait. So um, that that's what happened in Denver. So now we're getting new information all we're doing is we're painting the picture for you of who Russell is, how he, we got to this point, and the things that he could have done better over there in Denver. So now we fast forward here where it says that Pete, I mean, excuse me, Russell wanted Pete and John Schneider fired. That's the big news. And what doesn't surprise me about this being leaked or this being a possibility is because we all know that Russell has wanted Offensive coordinators fired before. We all know that Russell has seen himself or sees himself as an elite of the elite, the top dog in this league, and he feels like he should have leverage and he should have influence on all of these decisions. And me, when I heard the news that Russell wanted Pete and John fired, I just thought, man, just how ungrateful if this mm-hmm. is true. No, I, I don't. Yeah, we don't know 100 percent if it's true or not, but a thousand percent. There has to be some truth to it. And my first thoughts were, how ungrateful, man. Like I understand you want to influence on coordinators and maybe a quarterback coach, people that directly affect you. Yep. But the guy who drafted you, yep. the guy who coached you up. And who backed guy, you up in the face of like hate from your teammates. The guy, the guy who backed you up, the guy who set a dude who they're, they were going to pay $10 million that year to start and play quarterback for the Seahawks. He goes, nah, I'm going to go with yes. this third round guy. Yep. So it just it sounds ungrateful to me. Again, we don't know 100% if it's true. If it is true, um, I just I feel... I don't know. I feel I feel disappointed that that is it's happened this way. Well, yeah, it's because because it's a disappointing end to what back in 2013, 14 seemed like this perfect marriage. Yeah, it just seemed like, oh, my God, like how far could this team go? And then 10 years removed, you've got people pointing the finger at each other. And one of them is the guy whose entire livelihood is from this team and from the opportunities afforded by this team. Again, this isn't like a defense of Russell Wilson, but what this is to me is. When things go wrong with teams, and especially when they go wrong on the scale they did in Denver, to me it is rarely because this guy isn't good enough. It's because there is a huge power struggle at play. Yep. There is There are misunderstandings, a power struggle, uh, resentment, right? Those are the things that get in the way of play. There's a fracturing in a locker room, things like that. Everyone in the NFL is talented. Everyone in the NFL can put their heads together and come up with a good offense or do whatever. The ones that get really far are the ones that don't always point the finger at each other, right? And and it became clear that the issue both in Seattle and the issue with Denver this year was issues Russell Wilson had with either the uh, coaching staff in front office here in Seattle or with wanting too much control in, say, in Denver. Yeah. It's you, just it, what I'm saying is that things are more complicated than you, that. And, yeah. You look at the history of man. History of man. What, what do men try to do? And I, I, I'm including women as well because in history, yeah. they tend to bury, pit, bury those leaders as well. What do they do? They want to conquer. They want more. They want more. Look at all the empires that we learn about in school and stuff. Everyone wants more. So as a quarterback, yep. you are the leader of the locker room. You're the leader of the men that are on the field. And then you have a connection to upstairs, to management. My guy even had a dang office upstairs next mm-hmm. to management. You want more, right? And eventually, what do empires do? They fall. 
They eventually fall. So I think that's what we're seeing with Russell Wilson. And in his quest to conquer and to get more and more, he was able or he was willing to throw guys that gave him opportunities under the bus. And that's what I'm hearing right now. A guy who wanted more, he got more. And on the way, yep. he go, I will sacrifice whoever I need to sacrifice Correct. to make sure I get to where I want to go. Yes. Again, this is why the conversation is so fascinating to me. Because this is the stuff you don't see behind the scenes in the NFL. And it only comes out after the fact once the dumpster fire has been lit, right? Yeah. Again, I just, it it's getting people so fired up this morning. Also, everyone, like, I've seen a couple people saying, Stacey, you're too close to the situation. Uh, Yeah, I know Jake personally and worked with him for like two and a half years. This isn't me being a journalist for the Associated Press. This is me being a sports radio host who's covered this team in person, personally, for like seven or eight years and is close to one part of this story. You want insight. You want Bump, who knows this team well, to be talking to you about this and who's been inside of locker rooms to be talking about you, uh, talking about this. This is how it works. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. This is how it works. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bump and Stacy. <laughs> this is one of those days where I wish we had. A full four hours because yeah. there's so much to get to I know. today. Well, and I could keep talking about this forever. Yeah. And then how about headline number one? Bobby Wagner and the Rams are parting ways after just one season. What's the real headline? A replacement for Jordan and Cody just became available. Now, I could make the real headline like, you know, a joke about Bobby, you know, not being in L.A. or whatever, whatever, a joke about a reunion. But the real headline, the reason that we are talking about this now isn't just because Bobby's a former Seahawk. It's because the Seahawks need a linebacker. It's real. I mean, Bobby being a former Seahawk is definitely adds a little spice to this thing. But you're looking for ALB. Jordan Brooks probably will not be available until I'm guessing midseason um, at the earliest. And then you have Cody Barton, a guy that you know needs some help, right? A guy who is probably going to be here because they need linebacker depth, but you're looking for guys to kind of replace him right now. And you have one of the legends of the uh, the Legion of Boom who's available. So, of course, you're going to explore these opportunities. We're going to talk more in depth about this. But I saw the the conversation that Bobby was being released, and I got excited too. I go, possibility, possibility. We shall see, but it's all about money. We'll see what, how the league values him. Ooh, I'm worried it's going to be a lot of money. We're going to talk about this at, uh, well, coming up in 15 minutes. Headline rewrites. Headline number two. What a game it was last night at Climate Pledge Arena between the Kraken and Bruins. Unfortunately, the Kraken fell Ugh. in a nail biter, six to five in the game's final minutes. What's the real headline? They didn't get the win, but they did look like a playoff team. Man, I watched that game, especially the third period. I'm hooting and hollering and yelling. The kids are already asleep. Their bedtime is at 830. And uh, after the game, I I felt like a proud parent. You know, there's games where my son just competes his you-know-what off. And they might lose the game. And I tell him, you know what, man? You competed. You did your thing. I'm proud of you. That's how I felt about the crack. And I go, you guys were in that. And big ups to Yanni. I love Yanni's spirit. He's in the mix. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. show. He's only 5'9", 5'10". He's in there. Love me some Yanni Gore, man. He he just became probably my favorite crack. He was ready to take everyone He was ready. Stay ready. I wanted him to be mic'd up so bad. All I needed was some lip letters from him, and it would have been complete. (laughs) But he was clean. He was too clean. God, that... That gave everybody a taste of what playoff hockey is like. Oh, so I, good. I want more. Yes. And- 
Headline We're going to talk about this at 45 after, I just wanted to add. So if you guys are like, hey, I want to keep talking about this game. It was so exciting. We've got Bobby Wagner at 1030, Kraken at 1045. Just a heads up. Curtis, what's next? Headline number three, the Sea Dragons. They lost their home opener to the St. Louis Battlehawks last night on a last second field goal. What's the real headline? They didn't get the win, but they did look like a playoff team. Hey, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Hey, my guy. So the week Something before. my headphones. <laughs> the week before, Danucci had three turnovers, only had one. Here's the problem with the Sea Dragons. They just foamed the football way too many times. We had a fumble on a punt return, um, a, another fumble. They just can't take care of the football. You gave the Battlehawks extra opportunities. Two weeks in a row, the Battlehawks Hawks have come back and won late in the game. Uh, Josh Gorner only had two catches. One was on a conversion. The other one was a big 33-yard game where they were driving to win the game. But I did see Danucci. Uh, glimpses of why he was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Now they just have to take care of the dang football. But I'll tell you one thing. It was fun. I'm flipping through the Lakers, the Kraken, and the XFL. You needed I'm three TVs. Back. I'm sitting back. I'm like, man, this is March. <laughs> this is March. There's some good sports on the telly right now. I think that the XFL, I think because understandably there have been a lot of failed alternate leagues to the NFL. Nothing's really worked long-term ever. That being said, it's not for everyone, but if you're someone that's like, I just love football. Like, I, I love mm-hmm. tuning in and watching stuff. Like, you don't tune in thinking you're going to be watching first-team All-Pros in the NFL. Nah. You tune in thinking you're watching football. Man, I love it. I told my son, because we only had two devices yeah. up. I go, what do you want to watch? Basketball or football? My son, Kobe, he goes, football. I go, I love you. I love you, Kobe. <laughs> football mine. Let's go. All right, you guys. Like I said, we got a lot coming your way. Cracking at 1045. Uh, Rick Riz is going to join us at 11 to talk about the uh, spring training opener, which will be happening at noon. We got a short show today. We're taking you guys right to that one. Uh, we got some fun stuff coming up in the timeline and some not so fun stuff coming up in the timeline. Pac-12 media rights negotiations. There's updates. I don't know that you're going to like them. First, though, Bobby Wagner and the Rams are parting ways. Would you want him back in Seattle? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Bobby is back to being a free agent, maybe, on March 15th. Per ESPN's Adam Schefter, Bobby Wagner and the L.A. Rams will part ways. This is after one year. This is a willing cap casualty situation, according to Schefter. That means that the Rams need cap space. They're $14 million over, and normally someone would be a cap casualty, but Bobby seems okay with being released because he reportedly wants to play for a winner, which the Rams may or may not be in 2023. Bobby initially signed a five-year, $50 million deal with L.A. Bump, that obviously didn't play out. But he had a good 2022 season, 140 tackles, six sacks, which is a career high, two interceptions. Why are we talking about this? Not just because Bobby's a former Seahawk, but because the Seahawks could use some linebackers. So I'll start with this one. Would you want Bobby in Seattle? Hypothetical. Take money out of it. Would you want to see Bobby back? Ah, uh, first, did you know that it's February, not March? Oh, Just someone. Okay, so someone corrected you. So Bump said, "What is this, March?" And then a, per, a listener texted in and said, "Look, you were so excited. excited. I wouldn't normally correct you, but my birthday is February twenty seventh. Didn't mean to skip over your hey, birthday. Happy early birthday. My you bad. know what? Yeah. But would I would would I want Bobby here? Yes, I would want Bobby here in this with these circumstances. Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, 
simply because, obviously, he's a, a great of Seattle. We all love him yes. here. He is still a pretty good football player. I just wouldn't want him at 18 million. And that's yep. that's the case. I would never want to sit down with Bobby and disrespect him. Right no. now, you know what I'd offer him? Seven to nine million, maybe. And say, look, man, we're we're moving some things around. Uh, we got to franchise our quarterback, possibly. Mm-hmm. We got to sign him to a deal. Um, eventually, we have to pay other guys to support this ball yep. club. We just can't afford you at 18 million. And I wouldn't want to disrespect Bobby like that. Would I want Bobby here? Most definitely. Jordan Brooks is out. Cody Barton needs some, some guidance there. You're probably going to draft another linebacker. Yep. He's a leader. He'll get guys in line, but not at 18. Interior linebacker is a low-key need of this team. Now, if you're like a hardcore Seahawks fan or you know football well, it's not low-key. You know very much that they're going to need an interior linebacker. But I think people look at it and they think, well, you know, hey, maybe you just add someone. Cody Barton's pretty cheap. You got two great outside linebackers. Jordan Brooks is there. Well, Jordan Brooks may have like a 12-month recovery. Who knows? He just had surgery to repair an ACL tear on like January 19th or something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, He may be ready for the start of the season he may not be we don't know i'm not going to speculate but you do have to prepare for you know just in case uh i would love to see bobby in seattle i have never in my entire career covering this team heard a bad thing about bobby wagner all of my interactions with him have been wonderful i'm speaking for you because i know that yours have been the same he's a very likable guy a great leader and a very consistent performer bobby wagner is currently facing something that's really unfair about football which is that even if your play is still good your age will matter yeah. And it's really unfair, right? Because you look at Bobby and you think, well, you know, you weren't as good as you were at your peak. You know, you weren't like a first team all pro, uh, you know, obvious season, but you were a second team. You should have been a pro bowler. I mean, you were one of the better players on L.A.'s defense all year long. You played all 17 games. Um, you were one of their highest graded players. So it's that thing of like, you're still above average. You just aren't as great as you used to be. So how much are how much not are you, how much is your skill worth now? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Bobby, I think he's saying, hey, I might be 31 or 32 or however old he is, but I can still play. And teams are saying, yeah, but you're 31 or 32. Yeah, and you're 31 or 32 and you play linebacker. You are 31 or 32 and you are a tackle, right or left tackle, mm-hmm. you, you'll be good. You are 31 or 32, you're a quarterback, you'll be fine. But because you play one of the more violent positions in the game, people start to wonder. Now, you look at his numbers and you go, all right, why wouldn't you want Bobby back? 140 tackles, six sacks, two interceptions, one phantom interception against the Seahawks. I'll point that out, Bobby, okay, but good well. for you. All right, you're no longer a Ram, so we can be honest with each other. And then you have five passes defended. What people are going to say, now I'm going to play devil's advocate. This is what people are going to say okay. about Bobby. All of, all of his tackles were five, six yards down the field. He doesn't get in there and play downhill the way that he used to. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you, but I also think don't think that you're 100% correct. I think that as you get older, you lose a step. You make business decisions. But the position that the Seahawks are in right now with the linebackers, you're you're in no position to to really argue about this. So you, if you could get Bobby for the low, you definitely want Bobby for the low because you ain't got nobody right That's now. That's exactly what it is to me. It's anyone looking at it saying Bobby Wagner, who I still think is great. I mean, Pro Football Focus, a texter pointing this out rightfully, was really high on him and wrote about an, an entire article about him as a Pro Bowl snub. Um, Bobby Wagner uh, would be the best, one of the best defensive players on your team immediately, like without a leg. 
You know what I mean? Like your defense <laughs> needs so much help. And that isn't to um, say that the potential isn't there for the guys you have. Like Tariq Wollen has the potential to be an all pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Taylor had so much potential that the, the Seahawks almost drafted him in the first round. Right. Um, you know, Uchenna Nwosu was your leading sack getter and was great. You know, he had periods of inconsistency, but when he was on, he was on. And you were like, thank goodness they got that guy in free agency. What a signing by John. But you need help on defense. Bobby gives you that help. So even if he's not at his very best, you need to be realistic about where you are and look at your defense and say, you know what? Bobby at like a B minus ends up being an A plus plus on a defense that is really struggling against the run because that's where Bobby was great. But can this actually happen? Two, two, five, three. Mm -hmm. This is a great point. Cutting Bobby was partly due to getting new leaders on the team and not old ones. Bam. Giving Jordan Brooks room to grow into that leadership position and saying, this is my group. So now that's another conversation you would have to have with Bobby. One, all right, bruh, we can only afford you at seven to nine mil. Two, this is Jordan's team now. Yeah. Now he might not be there for this season or maybe the bulk of the season, however things work out with his knee. But when he comes back, you need to give him space to be the leader that he was for this defense. Is Bobby um, humble enough to do that? Mm-hmm. And it's hard because Bobby is going into the Hall of Fame. Like He is one of the greatest to play this game. Is he in a, a place in his career where he's okay with letting the, the young bug lead the charge when he gets back? It is a really, really good point, though, because it's not even just about being Jordan's team. It's about ushering in a new era of Seahawks football. The point, while you have all this capital and cap space, should be to get younger and should be to start a new regime. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, this Texer's right, and you're right, to bring back an old one. It's not that that old one isn't good. But it's like, well, who are the new voices? You got to move forward eventually, right? Yeah. You got to move forward eventually. Tough spot. Um, let's get to, I have a quote here from John Schneider on what he said, and then I've got some more questions for you. So first, let's hear about John. John, on the John Schneider show yesterday, was asked what he thinks about Bobby Wagner potentially being available. Obviously, amazing <laughs> player, icon, Hall of Famer, all that. Uh, he's not officially released yet, so uh, oh. he's not on the waivers so uh congratulations to whoever scooped that but uh yeah no he's he's uh he's technically still on their roster and uh so we won't be able to speak to his agent for a minute or two which is actually himself so uh, that would not be until March 15th. I think that there is a legal tampering period that starts like two days before in which the Seahawks could potentially talk to Bobby. But either way, uh, this isn't a move that would be happening anytime soon. Let's talk about what would happen if you did make the move. We, you, Both you and I have said, hey, we would love to see Bobby here, but there are some good reasons that you might not. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about financial, though, um, and then the implications of not signing Bobby. So is signing Bobby, like, I'm genuinely asking you, would you add Bobby Wagner, a healthy Bobby Wagner who's ready to play? Let's say he's willing to come back since I know that that relationship kind of soured, but let's say it's fine. Would you add Bobby at the expense of making another important move in free agency? Mm, no, no, because we're building for the future right now. It, would Bobby be a part of the long-term solution of this defense? Yeah, I don't know. No, he'd be um, a short-term answer. Mm-hmm. One year, maybe two years. We'll see what happens there. 
I think the most important part is going out and getting you a 25, 26, 27-year-old big old mammoth on that defensive line to plug some of these gaps and let these linebackers go to work. So, no, at the expense of making another move, no. That's why that number is so low. Because I think that if you were to get Bobby at 6-9, to nine, disrespectfully, 6-9, mm-hmm. <laughs> to nine, you're still going to be able to go out and, and get you a Deron Payne if they uh, doesn't get yeah. franchised by the commanders. A Dalvin Tomlinson, um, if he doesn't work out his deal over there with the, with the the Minnesota Vikings. So, um, no, if it's going to stop you from doing what you need to do to make this team good for three to four years, then I'd have to pass. Also, you know, again, Bobby is a very rare combination of skill and leadership and dedication, uh, but he is not the only player ever to have that. This team has the possibility of adding players that aren't Bobby Wagner who can still come in and look around the rest of this defense and say, hey, we got to be better, right? Like, I don't know what Shelby Harris's future is on this team, but he had great leadership, great energy, um, you know, like great locker room presence. If you can get a combination of like if Shelby Harris was 25, right? Like if you could get a version of someone that came in and was like, hey, I'm going to step up and play my hardest. Are you? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that kind of drive and competitiveness plus being a great player, like that is an option for you. Maybe he's in the draft. It would be tough for a rookie to be that guy. Maybe he's in free agency. Maybe Javon Hargrave is that guy. Who knows? It's Bobby isn't your only option. Yeah. You need a guy to come in in this position because Jordan Brooks is out of that linebacker spot. Yeah. You need an experienced guy. If you don't get him in the draft, um, you need a guy to come in who demands respect right now. You need a Tremaine Edmonds. Um, you need a Levante David, who, by the way, is in his 30s as well, and he would command about $12 million if you were to go after him. Um, that's the type of guy that you would need if you are, if you're looking for a leadership position at or a leadership role at that position. You can find leadership on that defensive line. I think there are some some good guys in the draft. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're young; they have to earn that leadership. But there are some guys that you can acquire. But this is, makes it interesting. I don't think Bobby's coming back. But it's a beautiful conversation. Mm-hmm. It makes us wonder. We love Bobby. I don't think he's coming back because of the leadership deal. You want to push this team forward with young leadership and because of the money that you would be able to offer him that I feel like they'd be able to offer him. And you just don't want to disrespect him. So it's exciting that Bobby is going to be on the market. But realistically, I don't think it's going to go down. Well, you answered my last question for you, was which was if they don't sign Bobby, what else do they do at interior linebacker? So thank you in advance. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys with a final note, which is potential landing spots outside of Seattle. You've got Cincinnati, Jermaine Pratt a free agent. They have the seventh most cap space. They do need to extend Burrow, maybe pay Jamar. So I don't know if that's going to work. The Giants have the fourth fourth most cap space. They were a playoff team last year. Then you got Seattle, Baltimore, Detroit, all uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th in cap space. So keep an eye on all of those teams. Although I think as Bump and I have discussed, Seattle doesn't seem like a realistic one. All right. You are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We are talking Kraken. What did this team show us last night? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. What did the Kraken show us last night? That was my question for you guys heading into break. And Bump, someone responded, um, they showed us a hell of a hockey game. You're exactly right. It was a phenomenal <laughs> game. And we were all, you, me, and Curtis, texting each other about it. You had XFL, Lakers, and Kraken on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, at what point did you um, kind of... Uh, lose focus and look at only the Kraken because this um, game was so tight. Around, you know, midway through the second period. Yeah. Is where I'm like, okay. All right. I got to focus. You know who I turned off? Turned off my Lakers. Whoa. Wow. That's big. Wow. The new look Lakers. I turned I, them off. I feel like you officially became like a Seattle forever guy. I mean, I'm here. My kids I mean, are born here. You the know thing what I'm is, saying? you've spent more than half your life here, but like, you really 
you chose us. Yeah, I did. Over but LA. We were up like 25 too, so. Okay, you don't need to add that context. <laughs> you, know you could just I mean? make it seem like a sacrifice. Yeah, but uh, you know what the the Kraken show me? As, um, what's his name? Bone Crusher once said. <laughs> I ain't never scared, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> old school Madden soundtrack. Old school. I ain't never scared. They came out, and I'm like, all right, granted, they shut these dudes out the last time they played 3-0, but this is clearly the best team in all of hockey yes, right now. Yeah. And they came out throwing them hands. Yanni getting in people's faces. Maddie getting this thing going. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm bought into this. It was fun to watch. It was stressful is what it was, yes. too. Yes. Well, it was stressful in part because of all the response goals, like every single goal. So you have the first period where uh, obviously Maddie scores early and then at 11, 18, uh, the Bruins respond only two goals in the first period. Then you get to the second and it think it just goes off. And not only that, but all of these goals were within like a minute of each other. So you have at 117, 223, 849 and 947, 1751 and 1853. You know what I mean? Like it was just back and forth, this constant thing. And normally you'd say, oh, you can't give up a goal that quickly as a response. Like, come on, what are you doing? But it didn't even matter because it felt like just two teams going at it in this wild game. They take a 5-4 lead late, thanks to Jaden Schwartz, assist by Borgen in Alexiak, and then you give up back-to-back goals to the Bruins, and it's kind of a disappointing, bad taste in your mouth end to it uh, from Grubauer for what had been a great game, and he Mm -hmm. made great saves. Um, Either way, though, I think you leave this even knowing that they lost, and it was a disappointing uh, end to the third period, thinking, well, shoot. The Bruins have, what, 90-something points? Like, this is a phenomenal team, and you were in it until the final minutes. You were not outclassed by the Bruins. You were not outplayed. You were not outmuscled. I mean, obviously, you always want your teams to win, but there are certain marks that you want to see as your team goes through the season. And when you have the opportunity to play against the best team in the league, you want to be in the game. And that's what you want, right? When in any sport, when you know that you're playing against a superpower, a team that's probably going to win this game, you want a chance to win late. You mm-hmm. know that if you can hang around, you can compete, you have a chance to win this game late. And that's exactly what we got. Unfortunately, the the loss happened so quick. I mean, we go up. It was, what, what three minutes or something left. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> the yeah, when, end, end came pretty fast. When they tied it, you're kind of like, all right, just get to overtime and get the point. Yes. If you get a point against the best team in the league. Fine, like that's, I'll take it. You'll take it. Uh, but then that backbreaker at the end, uh, what was it, Charlie McAvoy yeah. who scored it. That was rough. But one one stat I always look at when you look at just kind of effort that an NHL team gives is shots on goal in the game. And the Kraken outshot Boston 41 to 33 last night. Like they were they were peppering the net mm-hmm. with pucks mm-hmm. all game long. Like and, and it was evident to just watching the game that their effort was it was incredible last night. Like both teams were incredible, but to see the Kraken meet the moment in that way uh, was I mean just seeing what they looked like last year where there were games where in the middle part of the first period they're down like four nothing out but of it this year I mean it's a completely different story. Well, and look at what their head coach Dave Haxtell said last week. We're a good team. That guys, guys give a meter is high. They they play hard for one another. Our give a blank meter is high. And currently, I think that's how a lot of people are feeling about crack and hockey. And if you didn't feel it before, you're especially feeling it after this game. Oh man, I'm distracted right now. Because I remember someone saying that maybe it was Curtis 
It's the jerseys, man. Are we done with these oh. jerseys now? Oh, really? But let's actually done? talk about this. This is yeah. very important. This I know is... that you two are like weird yeah. uniform people, but <laughs> I, I am now buying into this. If you lose how many games? It's been four, right? Four. Yeah, they've uh, all if, four games. If you are zero and four, they've worn wearing the uh, the reverse retros. You need to get rid of them. I think I think it's time to sit those down for I the year. Believe I believe last night was the last time they were scheduled to wear them. So okay, that's some good news. But yeah, you can't. You can't, you can't do be that. wearing those. You can't do that. Also, no. another observation. Yes. <laughs> My fingers up in the air, uh, people. <laughs> Too many dang Bruins fans, man. What's going on? Uh, well, too, man, put them dudes up up in the Raptors somewhere. Bruins they were too fans close. Roll deep. Too, they roll deep. Are they? Are they like? They're, uh, they're, they're like Toronto origi- fans. They're an original yeah. six franchise, and yeah. they've been so good. I like, like, and they're that. the best. It's just I like that. I know. It's just the same as like more Dooley. Yeah, Mora, <laughs> nicest person ever. Right. It's just the same as like there are just certain franchises where you'll be like, wait, how did I not know uh, that my coworker was a fan of this team? Like they just bust out out of nowhere, like show up in the shirt that day, and you're like, hold up, what? You're a 49ers fan? You're a Yankees fan? Where'd this come from? You're a Cowboys fan? Why didn't I know this about you? You're supposed to disclose this information. That's yeah. the same thing with the Bruins. Um, I think that the Kraken should be exceptionally proud of what they did, as do you. I know that we've been talking about it. The one thing to take away, if you guys have to say one thing they improve on, uh, Curtis, I know you pointed to Grubauer with some of those it, soft. I mean, it, it's it's him, it's Martin Jones, it's just between the pipes this year. You hope that goaltending doesn't hold them back from yeah. being the best version of themselves this season uh, because you hope that they make the playoffs. I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to be a playoff team. They've mm-hmm. kind of struggled here in the season second half. They're already they're down to fourth place in the Pacific Division right now. But if you can get that goaltending situation figured out and get somebody that is uh, has performed more consistently than Jones and Grubauer, maybe that's something they – try and pull off here before the deadline on the third. Bump, I'm going to guess your takeaway was kind of the same, and otherwise it's like... No, uh, I, I would, yeah, I would definitely agree yeah. with Curtis there, but I would say just your response to going up. Yeah, You know, like you have to be able to flush it. You're up, flush it at 0-0. Zero, zero. Granted, you, you did play against a really good team, mm-hmm. but your responses after going up needs to be better. The reverse retros kind of look teal. I wonder if it's because Stacy isn't doing teal Tuesday. No, no, mm. no, no. Teal Tuesday, we are not extending to another league. We are not extending into another month. No. I'm no. I draw the line somewhere and it's gonna be Teal Tuesday ends with the Mariner season. This could be our, our preseason no, no, to Teal no, Tuesday. April third, the first Teal Tuesday of oh. the year. Mark your calendars now, <laughs> folks. Least favorite caller. Fine, I just gotta go on Amazon and find something. Lefko's wearing teal. He can leave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Lefko. Love you, Lefko. You can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast. That's wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Google Play, Apple, wherever. Rate, review, subscribe. It would mean so much to Bump and I. You are listening to Bump and Stacy right now on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You are one hour away from the Mariners opening up Cactus League play, so let's get you ready for it with Rick Riz. That's next.